Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspiring Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today we are joined by Dr. Michelle Veneziano, founder of flowismedicine.com. In our conversation, we discuss osteopathy, the integration of the physical body and the subtle body, and heart-body coherence. Dr. Veneziano gives us practices to enhance our capability for healing as she reinforces that healing is accessible through alignment with the natural world. Dr. Veneziano, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited for this conversation, and I know listeners are going to get so much out of it. I always love to have you share a little bit of your journey first before we get into the rest of our content. Um, how, how did you get to, I know before I hit record, you were like, I'm really an educator. That's, that's <laughs> how, what I am. So tell, tell me a little bit of your story. Oh goodness. Okay. Well, I feel like my calling to medicine was just that. I, I almost remember as a teenager, not really being clear about what I was my purpose. And then I I remember the moment I was actually walking across a courtyard at my high school. And it's almost like I got hit by lightning or something. And a voice said, you're going to be a doctor. And I didn't really know what that meant. But it's really been quite a spiritual journey. And um, I was not in my body. That's the defining overarching thing. I did not know that my moving toward medicine was going to be a journey of getting into my body. Didn't even know what that meant. Uh, struggled a lot in school with health stuff early on. And, you know, at the time, I didn't realize that that was my learning path and that it was almost a necessary, uh, you know, trial by fire to really deeply learn what healing and what um, an awakening journey, a consciousness journey is really all about. So I had all the things. I was sensitive, right? Nobody gets a lightning bolt and has a conversation with God if they're not sort of sensitive and kind of tuned into something larger. And so all the things, you know, all the things that kind of manifest when a person is incompatible with a concretized culture. I my system had a really hard time. And I ended up having a pretty massive uh, autoimmune response when in my pregnancy. And there was an embodiment piece to that because my TSH was actually normal. I'm talking about a thyroid condition, a thyroid stimulating hormone. And I and I had a sense that I knew something was not right. Something's not right. I knew it was my thyroid. I was already tapping into my intuition before even really knowing what that was. And so I asked for more labs and my antibodies were through the roof. Mm. Isn't that so interesting? So in that 
in that sense, I began to um, know, I just, I knew that I needed to think deeper than the cookbook version of how you approach any uh, condition. And I learned to trust my body's knowing over what the books say. So that was, that was a wonderful launching pad. So my, my background is family medicine. I was um, a hospitalist for a period of time, and that was, <laughs> I was part of it. I actually remember one shift where I had ridiculously high patient load, and I just didn't really breathe or drink water or take breaks. And I just thought, I can do this. You know, I had been doing it for I'm years. And to do years. This. <laughs> yeah. And then my body was like, uh, yeah, no. And I literally went from feeling like um, a superhero that could do anything to uh, the complete opposite. And I had a series of years where I just really struggled with fatigue. I thought I had, I knew I had mold illness because I was living here in Marin County. And it, you know, there's a reason we have the sourest sourdough in the world. It's a place where uh, if you're, if you're not robust, you, it's, uh, you know, people travel to dry climates to have a relief from environmental burden. And so here was the perfect place for the perfect storm. Uh, and then that shows up as fill in the blank. You know, maybe you have Lyme, maybe you have, um, uh, yeah. So all of that, the whole load that when I hear people talk about it, I'm like, okay, we're in this territory. Mm -hmm. The way I approach it is we need to get back in our bodies because once we do that, we literally have stronger electrical flow and can hold coherence and, and stability in our nervous systems, both the physical and subtle body. And I think it's a really optimistic view because the burdens of the world, the stress, the environmental toxins, the, you know, people's limited availability to nutritious, you know, clean food, clean water, clean air is not moving in a great direction, right? right. So we, I see that all in a sort of meta sense as a calling to really step into our power and literally cultivate the ability to radiate personal, our personal energy to almost create a force field. And to create a, a coherence in the body, and of course, the heart is so related to all of this. I hope we get to talk about that, where we're actually transmitting into the world something really of a higher level of awareness and, you know, connection to nature and um, almost like we learn from one another. And in, in neuroscience, we talk so much about mirroring and mirror neurons and without really understanding the mechanism of how we uh, exchange information. Mm -hmm. And it's it's such, so deep and such a beautiful topic. So yeah, I'm all about that and the uh, transmitting of those ideas in simple ways that hopefully I will manage to do with you today. Um, so I have a story that I think is a really um, beautiful way to illustrate this idea of embodiment and integration between the physical and electrical aspects of ourselves. So early in my training, I... Um, just, you know, 
took the opportunity to work with patients when I could on this level of working with the electrical body, which was quite a new concept for me early in my training. However, I sat with masters and I believe I received a mirroring experience with my mentors where whatever it was that allowed them to connect with the uh, consciousness or uh, subtle body um, expression in patients, it's almost like a channel on the on a dial. I managed to touch what that was and my system registered and remembered what that was. So I really, really didn't know much more than that. I would call it some ability to touch deep presence and stillness. And I had a, a woman, I had one amazing treatment experience with one of my first private patients while I was in my family practice residency. Uh, I don't know if I'll tell that story now, but once we had this, whatever magic happens when you touch into that thing, uh, he said, would you please treat my roommate? She's uh, really in trouble. She's a, she's a dance, she's his dance partner and was very physical. And then suddenly this whole, like, uh, whole horrendous body pain. She, she had a rheumatoid di uh, arthritis diagnosis and she had these films that looked terrible and she thought her whole life was over. And this was a bit of a complexity outside of what I would say my expertise was at the time, non-existent. <laughs> but, and I said, you know, I'll try. I'll try and see if I can connect with her where it's like when you sit in that stillness and it, you're connected to the earth and the cosmos and you just feel so integrated with reality and then the patient comes in and they're not. You can't feel them. It's almost like uh, now I would look at it as a physical and subtle body dissociation, as if you're watching a 3D movie without yeah. the glasses and you have these two different layers that aren't blended. And uh, so she comes in, she's hysterical. She's sure her life is over. She lays down, put my hands on, do my grounding, do my touching into that particular frequency that I received. And it was two hours. This is unprecedented. Two hours of feeling absolutely nothing. And then at the two-hour mark, I felt this, just this little spark. And, and now looking back, we have terms for these things in, in, in osteopathy. We consider there a pilot light in the uh, third ventricle of the skull of the brain and there are terms for these in Chinese medicine that I and, and Vedic philosophy that I actually can't pronounce, mm. and uh, has to do with the kidney heart channel communication. But I don't quite understand it. I feel it. I'm more interested in what it feels like than what it's called. Right. <laughs> and um, that was that. That was that. It was almost like her system rebooted, and I think I treated her one more time, and the whole conversation just disappeared. Rheumatoid became not a diagnosis okay. in her in her world which is is amazing and i was nodding along as you were saying that as somebody who had that diagnosis as well and that outlook of life is over and over a decade of decline i i, I do believe 
there is a tendency. It's like chicken or egg, right? Of course, I'm sure there was a, a some disassociation before the diagnosis, but I think that living with the chronic pain and this idea of this is my identity and I have this label and life is, you know, declining and I know the death sentence kind of outlook, if you will, also really causes that disassociation where, you know, um, so I, I love the, and I, yeah, I couldn't, I, I do understand that there was a piece of that already there, but I, I do think that we can, we reach this state where that's what happens almost as a protective mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. But then it blocks the healing. And so I, I love that. I want to circle back um, because I, I think it's really important for listeners to understand best you can. What is osteopathy? <laughs> I know. Trish oh my goodness! In a you nutshell, are, you are a doctor of it. So see if you can tell shell. us what it is. Absolutely, <laughs> it's such a magical story. Uh, back in the 1800s, there was a frontier doctor named Andrew Taylor Still who had an insight that the body is uh, a system that, if functioning well mechanically, can pretty much self-correct. And that was brilliant and beautiful and all about actual healing and not about an industry of medicine. And then around the turn of the century, there was a whole kind of influx of we're going to be very, uh, you know, structured and systematic about uh, medicine. And and that's the the beginning of the allopathic um, approach. Well, uh, well, let's just say he was working with medicines and surgery, and he 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 could see this is not what's really going to ultimately serve optimal wellness. So the whole of our culture went toward this allopathic approach. Medical schools were formed for the first time. Um, you were restricted in your ability to practice anything outside of that standard of care, and for many decades he fought and was successful in creating a profession that was a contrast to that approach, the osteopathic profession. Around the time of the 60s, with all of the politics and the way that medicine was moving toward uh, what it is now, quite a bit of a political and financial focus, the professions were moving toward blending into one and people DOs in the sixties could actually trade in their a degree and yet an MD degree if they were deemed trained appropriately. And there was a, a number of, of Dr. Still's students that held out or students of his students that said, no, we must maintain this. And they became keepers of a flame that then evolved into a focus of traditional osteopathy that does exist today and and technically is statistically insignificant in the context of the number of DOs that exist in the world, most of which practice pretty much indistinguishably from MDs. So it's confusing for patients because they're like, oh, well, my my surgeon's a DO. That must mean he may, well, truthfully, he may or may not have any, have retained any of the original, you know, philosophy and approach. Although most DOs in medicine do have a bit more of a orientation toward humanness 
communication, yes. contact. Uh, it's, I, it's, yeah, go ahead. And I do think that the premise, right? It's probably, it was, you know, why do you choose to become a DO versus an MD is perhaps this, you know, idea, a true knowing that the body can heal. Well, we have a joke. We talk about uh, maybe a third of, uh, in a medical school class of maybe, what, 150 kids, we have a third that absolutely love the idea of the traditional osteopathy and intend to pursue it, most of whom find that it's very difficult to do side by side with all the requirements of medical education. I think 5% of our class went on to uh, pursue it. And then we have a third that think it's a good idea, but really aren't likely to ever get around to it. They love, oh, it's a great idea. I'm too busy. <laughs> and then we have a third, and I have compassion for all of that. Um, we have a third that pick, chose it because maybe it was slightly easier to get in, slightly, uh, than MD schools and they like the location. It just worked. It was logistically right. aligned. Yeah. So it's very confusing for patients to really decipher uh, what uh, what osteopathy means because it means different things to different people. And, sure. uh, and then to, uh, you know, uh, understand the relevance or not relevance of the fact that their doctor has a DO degree. It's very confusing for patients. I'm sorry, patients. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, you know, we're all patients. Is, which is why I asked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, for sure. Yeah, it, it's a it, it is it's a question that that gets thrown my way a lot. So I wanted mm. to hear your I take hear on your it. description. You know, I don't <laughs> I, I don't have one um other than I, I do tend to th to think, but of course it's always our what is our experience, right? Mm -hmm. And and so it's the the DOs that that are in my world definitely do have that approach of um you know the, the body does have the ability to heal and that, you know, there's, there's, and not that like single system, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, this is your GI tract and this is your heart. And, you know, yeah. it, it's, there is this kind of whole body medicine, yeah. I, I think as just kind of a theme across the board. Um, and so, you know, that that's totally not an educated answer. That's an experiential answer. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, I've worked with a lot of DOs and uh, obviously in, in the medical setting, their uh, DOs are in every sector and they tend to be more relatable, more yeah. kind of, you know, oriented toward humanity. And MDs, uh, many MDs are also such. Uh, so I don't want to, Put down right, right. Nobody's bashing. No, <laughs> MDs. No. It's just more absolutely not. Yeah. Um. You know, I I've heard questions that run the game. You know, was well, that a real doctor? Is that a, you know just all kinds <laughs> of questions? Um. And and so uh, my experience as well, you know, across the board is I don't I didn't realize numbers were so small as far as the hands on and manual therapy. Um. But you know, that that's where all of that kind of comes from. Anyway, you know, people don't mm. realize <laughs> that, mm -hmm. you know, 
chiropractic didn't just pop up as its own thing. Um, you know, so osteopathy has definitely um, contributed a lot, I think, to where medicine is going now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I really look at osteopathy as almost like, um, how does nature actually work and manifest as a body? And in fact, that we're all born experts in all of that. And we forget in our culture. And at this point, I'm seeing few patients I'm focusing on uh, actually uh, educating people, doctors and patients in how it is relating to that story of that woman where she activated what we call the pilot light and which is really a spark for the whole central channel around which all of the physical and subtle body anatomy are oriented. How do we actually manifest that in ourselves? Because we can. And Qigong and yoga all relate to this and I'll speak to it. All of the, all of the, you know, traditional lineages have their version of uh, supporting subtle body, physical body integration. And we can do so much of it ourselves. Uh, once I had this revelation, because I was sitting in my office, you know, many years of um, nose to the grindstone, single mom with, um, you know, uh, not really j just managing my patients and my, and my child. And I started to see that I was treating a lot. Oh, as I healed myself, I I began to learn what behaviors actually support this full expression of, you know, wellness in the body. I had a lot of support, but until I got into my body and actually moment by moment oriented my behaviors, breath, grounding, actually feeling every cell in my body, I didn't hold any treatments, really. It's like they didn't even really penetrate supplement regimens, um, you know, energy therapies from devices, they all could have an effect where they could bring the body into coherence, right. but it wouldn't last. So my idea is rather than arrive there occasionally after our Qigong practice or a yoga class or a healing from another person, how do we actually live there? you know, as in, in each moment. And then my, I began to train my patients to hold their treatments and they began to need fewer of them, which let me open up my practice and um, just have more experience. Because if you're digging people out of a hole and they become like, oh, my osteopath is going to fix this thing. We actually can have very small patient census, censuses, uh, what's the plural of that word? And um, it's a little bit, uh, I would say, almost um, un we're underutilized, and it's even a little codependent. We can, we can, all healers can end up being a little bit codependent. My, um, my, how I figured out that that was happening is that I started to get really bored. Like, what's wrong mm. with this picture? This is not challenging for me. This feels not so exciting. And uh, once I started to teach people like, you can actually do this and it's fun and amazing and really easy. And, and it's also our native setting to get back into integration. So once people feel that and realize they can perpetuate it, they begin to have a really 
colorful journey of communication with their bodies, and they begin to have more, what I would say, evidence of arriving and actually existing in present time and space is that a lot of synchronicity begins to happen, a lot of creativity comes out, a lot of curiosity and optimism. And despite, you know, the difficulties in the world, it's almost like I'm mobilizing myself to be of service. It's like we get full with all this beautiful life force, and then we just want to give it out. So we become very oriented to service. So in a way, I feel like, oh, this is really ultimately about service in the world, which is, I think, the highest nutrient um, of our soul. And I actually think it heals our digestion and it heals all of our tissues. And it um, it's really the source of that magical piece that, you know, we hear about these hospitals in China where no matter what a person's condition, they have over 95% success by addressing this, you know, um, in, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, functionality of the subtle body and the integration of the subtle body and the physical body. I hope that wasn't too complex. I I think it's amazing. I mean, for me, now I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> we'll get listener feedback. I I think you know if you guys have to play this a couple of times, <laughs> just keep playing it. What kept popping into my head as you were talking about shifting, you know, this idea of Teach, teaching your patients, right, to to do this themselves and to live this way is, to me, it's the equivalent of you're teaching them to fish, right? Yes. You're not just giving them a meal. You are teaching them to fish. And, and so I love that. It's amazing. It's so much more fun for everybody involved. And I would say I'm not really teaching. Well, there are some pieces. I'm not, I feel like it's more like, let's remember together. I, this is nothing new about this. And yet, osteopathy has some particularly unique ways of addressing to problems that are unique to modern times. Because our anatomy has changed. Our development has changed. We have literally, you know, ways that um probably many of your listener listeners have heard about this real significance of nasal breathing and the tongue being able to relate to the roof of the mouth and there are ways that the tongue is now held down uh, by vestiges of of tissues that should have not not um come into a, adult life or in in physical form so we have people whose tongues are tied down much more frequently related to we think you know diet and probably sure. environmental toxins and however it is that that original blueprint becomes a little bit distorted and this is going back you know well over 100 years um as we've moved into modern life and through the industrial revolution we really have some problems unique to modern life that did not exist when yoga and qigong were developed and so i do a lot of work with people understanding this um correcting or responding as as much as possible to correcting that mechanism of intelligence of this connection of the tongue to the palate and the depth of the relevance to it. So this is a take home for the audience. Yes. However it is, you get your palate, your tongue to rest completely across the roof of your mouth. 
uh, it's a little bit disorienting. I have images. I have a wonderful article on my website uh, called Your Swallow, Smile, and Sleep Are More Related Than You Think. So if you touch into this and vibe on it, don't expect to understand it completely in this podcast. But there's a reference there that kind of breaks down all the pieces with a ton of studies. Over 300 studies are attached to that article. So this resting of your tongue on the roof of your mouth and in this moment, noticing if that contact actually has you feel a little bit more present and able to feel the ground. It's profound. And in Vedic teachings, this there's a chakra in the roof of the mouth. And this contact with, which means every time you swallow, there's some pressure. There's almost like a pulsing of the palate that actually opens up the whole head. When we talk about cranial osteopathy, we're really talking about wave transmissibility. It's actually almost like a viscosity shift where the bones fill with this, you know, vital energy and they actually begin to feel moldable and respond as if they're moldable. That's how we work with that. We work with that cranial mechanism, which is a misnomer because it occurs in every part of the body. This breath, not breath in the actual structure. So your tongue on the roof of your mouth, I say, uh, it's like having an osteopath living in your head. You're, <laughs> you're your own osteopath. And once that connection is reestablished, you don't have to really think about it. There's a fairly significant northward force with each swallow that maintains this uh, breath capacity in the skull, which then translates to the rest of the body. So this is a must, must have, must do. And, uh, and you know, it's really just so fun to explore it. And it feels amazing as well. So when I talked about that story of that woman where that pilot light came on, Mm-hmm. And that was an activation of basically she came back into present time and space. We talk about this in osteopathy. We term the central channel, this river of vital energy through the center of the body. We call it the midline. And um, Vedic teachings is called uh, shum, Shushamna, Shushumna. It's called uh, Zongmai in Taoist teachings. It's, it's, uh, people say, oh, that's yoga. No, that's life. That's what it is. And we all have different vocabulary. Sure. So the this tongue palate connection is absolutely essential to uh, maintaining that patency of that flow. And it's also the way uh, in Vedic teachings that the heart communicates with the pineal and the intuition. I love that. It's really potent. So it's like, well, the one way you could think about about it is intuition is like it's like a gateway it's like a portal and you are you're granted entry to the degree that your heart is actually driving the whole of you because then your spirit knows that you're well, you will use information responsibly or I, I have this whole idea in my mind. I don't know if everyone would agree with it, but it feels very profound and and central to uh awake life, living and and healing. Yeah. The heart being it's, able to yeah. So the tongue somehow has to do with the heart being 
activated as almost the sun of the solar system of the entirety of the mm -hmm. subtle body, you know, chakras and meridians. And then what it allows us to do is connect our connection with the higher realm to our that which is a which is the yang uh, pole. We're all we're talking about yin and yang. We're right down here in the basis of the entirety of existence and then the planet which is the feminine pole and then we exist as a connection between heaven and earth that's our job description uh, so beautiful uh, and i'm always talking to my clients about you know and this is just a, it's our times right with like the answers are in your head right everybody's trying to intellectualize their healing and their answers and their, you know, and it's, it's the heart. It's the That's heart. where the answers are. It's the body holds uh, like when they say, Oh, our brains only use 10% of our potential. Yeah. And in my mind, it's a perfect metaphor or analogy because 90 plus percent in my mind of our intelligence is not in the mind. It's in the body knowing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'd be in a lot better shape on this planet if we could just get that one thing. And the tongue is related to that. It's related to our ability to actually hear that voice, almost like it's a frequency that we don't have access to, this broader knowing. Uh, and most would say, oh, this is a connection to the spirit, spiritual realm. And I would say, yeah, sure, um, connection to something much larger than ourselves of which we are an integral part. Uh, so no separation. Once we log on to the central channel above and below and the heart sort of organizes all of it, we are um, one with everything. Yeah. And then diagnoses just kind of aren't relevant. Who cares? Right. Right. Yeah. Your body's like, that's, yeah, that's great. I'm, I, I am myself. I have returned to my, original self and our capacity for healing once we're actually one with all of the forces of nature which are infinitely powerful and infinitely intelligent intelligent there's actually nothing that isn't possible i'm feeling the magnitude of that statement it's it's a it's a it's yes it's the realm of miracles for sure and I consider miracles, that's our actual world and life. And then we're doing this other thing most of the time, <laughs> which nice. is presents difficulties and challenges, puzzles and, you know, things to be, uh, it's all purposeful. It's all our learning and growing terrain. The difficulties of the physical plane is our, uh, yeah. It's so where we get, um, we're, we're, we get, we're grown. We're getting grown by this. We're getting grown. <laughs> we're always getting grown, <laughs> which is good because I, you know, I don't want to be done yet growing. It's fascinating. <laughs> so. It's fascinating. So once the heart activates, you approach the entire challenge as it's exciting. It's like, oh, versus you collapse with fear. This right. heart shifts the entire, uh, as the entire experience of being in a body is quite uh, magical and mystical and wondrous and, and fairly unanswerable. Oh, entirely unanswerable. But once you're in the heart, answers aren't relevant. It's right. not a, it's questions that are relevant. It's curiosity that's relevant, experience and adventure. And yeah. 
connection. Exactly. Love it. Exactly. Amazing. So trainable exercise, right? As a as a practice, even just taking that step of tongue to palate mm-hmm. yeah. throughout the day to read because it is a retraining for those that mm-hmm. haven't ever given it a thought before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um uh, I have a whole DIY do-it-yourself little section in that article on my website, flowismedicine.com. And I want to say that, um, oh, you know, it's so powerful mechanically, because if you understand this topic at its deepest level, you realize no single person would have crowded teeth if this mechanism were in place. So if a listener out there has had a very significant orthodontic history, and I hear things like, oh, I failed braces twice or three times, and I had headgear, and they have uh, that, if you're trying to solve a health issue, and all of that is in your history, I really, really highly recommend you find an osteopath that can help you through that. And um, cranialacademy.com.org uh, is a great place to actually put your zip code in and find a physician in your area that uh, can help you start to sort that out. And uh, interestingly, it doesn't matter what the disorder is, but if I can get someone tongue to palate functional and get this central channel uh, c- connecting the pelvis and the cranium, the largest mechanical hinges in the body, they must be breathing together. They must be, you know, integrated. At that point, it's almost that like the life force engine turns on and then the problem list becomes not as relevant. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. And I, I I keep thinking about, um, the field of biological dentistry, right? This is the kind of newer approach. <laughs> um, and I am, I'm one of those people that, that, you know, they've, they pulled molars because my mouth was crowded. And I, I just, I know so much more now. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, that was all done wrong. and <laughs> Not <laughs> to my benefit, my health benefit. Um, but I love that, you know, my dentist checks for tongue tie and apnea mm-hmm. and narrow jaw and crowding and refers for, to get those things corrected. Um, but even just, I challenge listeners, if you if you haven't already done it while you're listening, put your tongue on the roof of your mouth for a few minutes and just feel what you feel. Just allow to see if you feel anything different other than the roof of your mouth with your tongue, but in your, in your heart, in your body, because it's, it is such a simple thing, but it can be so profound. It's so profound. It is actually uh, the contact itself mimics the um, neurological effect of breastfeeding, which is innately so deeply, um, you know, calming. So the tongue palate contact also begins to reset the nervous system. If you have people who don't settle and they don't sleep well, hence the name of the article, your smile, swallow, and sleep are more mm-hmm. related than you think. This is this is if they're breathing through their mouth and their tongue is not resting on their palate at all times, aside from eating and talking, they're going to be more easily destabilized. And then you have enter, you know, diagnoses. 
I actually had a kid who had uh, pandas. It's a complex, you know, pediatric um, recurrent infection and uh, autoimmune condition. And um, I, uh, he had this, he was a mouth breather and he had uh, no discernible connection of communication between his pelvis and his head. I just did that one thing in uh, one or two sessions with him to, you know, till I could feel the circuit activate. And then he was taping his mouth at night, which I explain is a very standard treatment at this point. I explain it in that article. And that was the end of his pandas. That was just the end of it. Uh, three months of antibiotics, you know, miserable kid, not sleeping, not doing well in school, having, you know, inability to socialize and yeah it's so deep it's so deep i'm shouting from the rooftops right now please pay attention to well this. and and for people that don't know about mouth taping i, I have to like we have to touch on it explain sure. yeah because it's well oh well there's so there's a relevance to the response of the brainstem and the breath mechanism and the sort of driving of the whole neurologic system where if the lips are touching there's some activation of this memory of a functional breath so so it's really at rest all of you out there uh noticing if your lips are touching and if i i'm actually inhaling through my mouth a little bit today i don't know if you can hear that but the breath should I, I'm a little stuffed up today. I also talk about how to clear the nose. That's a whole different topic. I, I have all of this actually in a t- in a training I have online that we can speak more to at the end. Um, and noticing if you're breathing through your nose and your lips are touching and the tape almost trains that um, us to default with a lip seal and it requires that we breathe through our nose at night. I have people just try it for a half an hour during the day to to notice, you know, just so they internalize, oh, this actually feels safe. Well, ultimately, it doesn't only feel safe. It almost feels like a swaddle. Like without having it, I personally, um, now I'm back in fog country, so I tend to like actually sometimes end up breathing through my mouth um, unknowingly and the tape that I do is uh, it just feels like a really beautiful support. This is one of these topics and things that just wasn't relevant in the in the traditional times of ancient medicine, but now it's a really really big thing. So there are products on the market. I think I have list. I've listed options on. A, I don't make any money on these things, but I I'll list my favorite products on my website. Uh, under items we like, something like that. Uh, I end up using just a sport tape. That's ultimately my favorite. Um, Micropore medical tape, uh, surgical tape is probably the most accessible. And you can just get it at your local drugstore. Um, And then some people have issues with the adhesive. So, you know, you need to find the one that just feels right for you. Do you have any, this is like really getting down to them, but any tips or tricks for the men that have stubble or beards or facial hair or because this is where I've had challenges with clients in the past with mouth tape. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a product called Somnifix, I think, that's just mm-hmm. fitted to the lips. Just itself. the lips. 
and it yeah, has yeah. a little, I, I, it has a little slit. And so there's actually a sense that you could breathe if you wanted to, but with the lips actually mm -hmm. um, sealed, it works well. And it actually comes in the directions are, it has um, an arch shape and the directions say, put it down and people are like, I look like I'm frowning. And mm -hmm. honestly, I just think, why don't they just turn it upside down? It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> Right. So, turn See, those are the direction followers. They're in their I heads. <laughs> turn that frown upside down. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Love, love that recommendation. It's a yeah. This is this could be a huge spiral. So we'll shift back. Yeah. From there, but but because again, and and I do think it's the same mindset we've been trained to. It, in allopathic medicine, right? Go to the doctor and have them fix you. Um, and and so for me, this the gigantic gift of this conversation is that, that we don't need, yes, <laughs> professionals can help us get back, you know, in alignment and, and connected again, but that we, you know, it's not you fixing your patients, it's you giving them that experience and then Yes. supporting them and doing that for themselves. I think I have a great analogy for this. I think of it as being a writer and you're the author of your own book, but, and the editor is an absolutely essential piece. You will never be the fresh set of eyes that looks at your work. And so it's a partnership, but you're the driver. It's your book. Love it. Love it. And it's, it's perfect. It's beautiful. Amazing. So before, and you already have, but I, I want you to pick or have the opportunity to, to maybe even surprise me with something different, but I got is, something for you. Oh, oh go ahead. Finish your question. Well, Finish your question. For one, one step listeners can, can start today. Yes. Besides the tongue business, it's real. Uh, there are all these little pieces, and my body's telling me right now the next relevant one is to talk about. This is so beautiful. This is such a beautiful concept because for me, our profession, osteopathy, is bone. You know, it's it, it's not about bones. It's about fluids and energy and <laughs> you know organs and what. How did that happen? Uh, and now I get it in a way for me, it's relevant. It's made, it makes sense that, um, the bones are the ground. It's like the ground that we carry in our own bodies. And mm. when a patient, a person, uh, is truly integrated in this physical, subtle body blending, um, way of existing, it, it starts to resonate in the bones and it's almost like the bones anchor the setting. It's almost like once the song of your integrated self includes the bones, and this is a this is spoken to in the, you know, ancient um, medicines. We they talk about bone breathing in all, some version of bone breathing, and so you know, imagine you work in a skyscraper. You may not be able to touch the ground with bare feet to reset yourself, but and you can maintain this song in your bones. The, the one, uh, I guess, way I would say this is an elusive concept into experiences. Experience it is that what has that occur is that you are 
your attention is connected to your cells. So all of you out there, as you have your tongues seeking this uh, connection with your palate as a resting behavior, notice if you have an ability to feel or imagine feeling some awareness of every cell in your body and then your sense of connection to your bones and bone breathing is an actual thing. It's uh, spoken to in Vedic philosophy, Taoist philosophy. And you know, the way I would say you know it's happening is that you feel vibration. You begin to feel humming. And ultimately, once we are really fluidized, that's why I call my whole school is flow is medicine. Once we actually shape shift from particle to light to our actual selves, to our uh, there's nothing that isn't fluid, and this is, you know, revealed in physics and mathematics. We are actually fluids with a sense of uh, solidness that is uh, actually imaginary, and it's contextual. Um, that once we begin to resonate our vital energy, the frequency of our being resonating in our bones. Uh, we begin to really be able to hold our ground. And it almost doesn't matter where you are because you can connect to that, you know, electrically above and below in a way that is, uh, it, it, the, 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 the frequency or the transmission, the, the actual, resonance of that begins to be held in the bones and then we're here yeah ah, and now i understand osteopathy well i <laughs> that's, that's my I, version no but i mean it's i i love that that's a it just gave me this whole other it's so like, profound more profound <laughs> understanding I love irony it. is all of this most basic pretty much completely obvious stuff to our higher self is is this advanced esoteric you well, know sure understanding you know, it's so because we're not living thousands of years ago <laughs> before the rest of all that noise got in the way <laughs> so that's that's yeah. right that's right it's amazing yeah so did I answer your question? You did. <laughs> yes, you that, did. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask for for listeners that are listening on the go, mm. where's the best place to find you? Oh, my website is flowismedicine.com. And I love meeting people. I'm, I'm actually creating a, a community of providers that come in and I my this training this entire training is an actual top shelf CME program that I would say a person could make their way through it in a couple of weeks but I wouldn't advise that I'd advise to extend your window of fun to you know it's actually a forever we meet once a week on Saturdays and actually practice the skills we drop into an actual healing experience and then speak to the uh, elements that arise and train. It's a training. It's like the gym. You actually get to practice the skills and mostly it's a community. You're really beautiful, connected community of, um, and then it's very social and playful and 
I loved how this all manifested for me when COVID hit, that I actually started to, I had the time to build it out. I'd been thinking about it for years. And then I thought, wow, this is so beautiful. I'm finding these, you know, physicians and all over the country who maybe were kind of functioning in a vacuum and didn't really have connection to like minds and like tribe and uh, and then there's an integration between the physician and patient world. We're all patients. I don't love that distinction. I actually feel like there there are many non-physicians also in the community. They all come because they resonate with the level that we're working at. And I would actually, I'm going to say something really funny to the world right now. My non-physician participants rock. The physicians have a harder time getting sure. out of our heads, myself included, because we're just wired that way. And we, you know, practiced being so intellectual for so long that we're more a bit more challenged with that shift from thinking to feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Michelle, thank you so, so much. You have shared amazing gold and, and wisdom with us today. And, and I'm excited to listen to this again. I know I have pieces of this I'm taking forward to incorporate in my journey. So I'm very grateful for you. I'm very grateful. I actually feel like I had had a healing having my whole I'm very like awake now and and I'm uh, just my body feels amazing and I I feel like we just really dropped into a beautiful place and that's always a function of you know whoever's present and what their heart brings. Yeah, you know, I I um, as well I feel grounded and open and um excited to carry this forward. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I am, yes, I'm feeling very blessed. For everyone listening, remember you can get the transcripts and show notes by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Listen to it again. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.